Hello ninjas and ninjas, and welcome to another episode of the Explosion Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, head ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. In this episode, we get a behind-the-curtain look at the world of traditional PR. We're talking to Christina Nicholson, who is really interesting, and I wanted to get her on the show because she has experience from the TV world, and she now helps people to get PR coverage. So she's kind of seen both sides of it. And the reason I wanted to bring her on was to give us a bit of context so that when we're ever pitching TV or or newspapers or magazines, we understand what those media people are really looking for. So we know exactly what their day-to-day life is, what their priorities are, and how we can help them. And by helping them get our businesses featured in these sorts of publications. So I really hope you enjoy the episode and stay tuned till the end because Christina gives out a link to an ebook which she's written, which will help you to do this in a bit more detail. And don't forget also to check out the Exposure Ninja book if you're interested in finding out a bit more about digital PR specifically. Just search on Amazon for the ultimate guide to content marketing and digital PR. Anyway, without further ado, enjoy the show. So Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to talk a lot about PR today and getting exposure for our businesses. So maybe you could start off by introducing yourself and letting people know how you got into the exciting world of PR. Sure. So my career actually started in TV. I went to school for journalism and shortly after graduation, I got my first job at a cable station in New York City. I did everything there. I was my own photographer and I was my own writer and reporter, on-air talent. From there, I got a couple of other TV jobs uh, spanning the course of 10 years. And my last job brought me to Miami, Florida, where I was an anchor and reporter for four years. But it is not a family-friendly business, as you can imagine. You don't get... (laughs) any days off. You work mornings, nights, holidays, weekends. So after having a couple of kids, it was a tough schedule to maintain. So that's when I decided to go into PR. And a lot of people in journalism go from journalism to public relations just because you work with a lot of people in the PR industry. For example, I would get tons of emails every day, and I still do because I still do work in the media just not as much as I used to, a lot of pitches from people, whether they be small business owners or publicists, trying to earn coverage in the media. And most of the pitches are are very out of touch, I would say. They're clearly from people who do not understand what it's like to work in a newsroom or what it's like to put together an article for a magazine or to host a three-minute segment on TV. So I thought it would be a really fitting transition to go to that other side because I know what the media needs. I know how to pitch them. So that's how I made the transition into public relations. And after working at a firm for about six months, I decided to go off on my own because at the end of the day, I left the TV business to have a flexible schedule. And even though PR it's not as strenuous as the TV business, you still have a boss and you still have to deal with traffic going into work and leaving work. And I figured if I'm in the service industry, 
then this won't be too hard to tackle on my own. So I've been on my own for almost two years now, helping small businesses earn exposure for their brands. Amazing. And I think it's really awesome that you have a background in being a journalist and being, you know, inside the media, because for me, it feels like one of the reasons that people always manage to not get themselves any exposure, they, you know, we we work in digital PR a lot and a lot of DIY digital PR is so focused on what the business wants and can you feature us? Can you do this? It feels like they don't really have any understanding of what the person who they're talking to, what their situation is and, and what their typical day looks like. So maybe in order to give our listeners some rapport with the, with the people that they're pitching, what does a typical day look like for someone that, that that's receiving these pitches? Well, it's very busy and their email inboxes are very full. So, I mean, I can tell you just from the TV side, I would go in at 9.30 and many times I didn't actually physically go into the station just because there's no telling where I would go. So sometimes a story would be closer to my house than it was at the TV station. So I would stay at home and see what I was assigned. But not only are journalists getting a lot of email pitches, but the assignment desks are getting a lot of email pitches. And then you just have the national news and the local news that is breaking and things that are happening. So there are a plethora of stories to choose from. Now, obviously, when you live in a bigger market, you've got a lot more going on. And then if you live you know, in a smaller market, there's not as much going on. So it depends on where you live, for sure. If you're looking for local news, if we're talking about local TV news specifically, but there's a lot, a lot to choose from as far as what is going to be covered. You really need to stand out to get that coverage. So, you know, you start with the morning meeting, you get assigned, and then I would always go out with a photographer to the story. And when you're out on the story, things change. You know, you may go into a story and expect to get one thing, but once you start shooting video and talking to people, it turns into something completely different. So depending on how the story is evolving, you could get another story. Another reporter could join you because the story you're on is bigger. And regardless of what's happening, you have to have something to put on air at five o'clock at 530 or six o'clock. So I, I really credit my time management and my productivity to working in news because you cannot miss a deadline. You know, the news isn't going to start later because you're running late. So you're definitely rushed. And I think that's one reason when I tell people to keep their pitches short and sweet, it's because you don't have time to let alone open or read a lot of the emails that you get. So I guess that, you know, could be my tip just based on on the day of somebody in the media you're definitely overworked, especially today. A lot of people, a lot of these organizations, they're doing a lot more with a lot less people and a lot less resources. So you got to keep in mind, people are busy. Do not send them a novel of a pitch to promote your business because it's just not going to be read because, you know, we are so busy from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. That's really important. I guess it's a similar kind of story for people writing for magazines and newspapers too, whereas maybe instead of the five o'clock deadline, they have a, a deadline of when their article needs to be submitted, right? Whether that's the day or the week or the month. Exactly. Yeah. And it works the same way. I contribute to Inc. Magazine and Fast Company. I host a segment once a month on a TV station locally here. And it is, it's exactly the same thing. I mean, you have deadlines, you have 
countless people who want that exposure. So in the middle of you doing all the work, you're sifting through your emails to see what's important and what's not important. So that's why, you know, we always talk about the importance of building relationships. And, you know, when I open my email inbox, I I specifically have an email that is just for pitches. I send people to a different email just for pitches because if I sent them to the one that I used for work, I mean, I, I wouldn't get anything done because I would spend most of my time just sifting through all of that. So when I look at my email, if I don't recognize your name or the subject line doesn't jump out at me, you get deleted. So when we talk about building relationships with people, like say, say, Tim, you and me go back and forth on Twitter a lot. So I know your name. I know who you are. I would recognize your name and your domain and your email address in my inbox. So I wouldn't be, you know, so quick to delete you because I know who you are because we've conversed over Twitter. And that's another tip. You know, we talk about relationship building and how that's so important, not only with the media, but with anybody in business, but specifically with the media. I think Twitter is a great place to be because that's where so many members of the media are. And that's where it is the quickest and easiest way to reach out to them and just have a dialogue and go back and forth. That's it's so interesting to hear it from, from your side and to imagine that second email inbox just filling up the whole time and, and you got to try and make your pitch stand out. It, it sounds like a, yeah, a, re- a really tough task. And also, I guess it gives context as, as to why quite often you won't hear back from someone the first time. You might have to email them a couple of times if someone's emailing you at three o'clock in the afternoon. You're not going to get to that today. And if it's not right tomorrow, you're not going to get to that tomorrow. And by the next time you check it, you know, you've probably got another hundred pitches or something that have kind of buried that to the bottom, right? So is is frequency important? I mean, obviously, people don't want to, shouldn't hassle. But um, if you don't hear back immediately, should you should you chase up? Oh, you. I think you should definitely follow up because a lot of things do get lost in the shuffle. But the mistake I see a lot of people making is when they follow up, they follow up with the same subject line. And if it didn't garner a response the first time, then it probably won't the second time. So I would say switch it up a little bit, switch the pitch up, try a different angle or just try wording it differently or in between, you know, email pitches, you know, comment on something on my blog post or tweet me or, you know, leave me um, a Facebook comment. So when you do email me again, I am going to recognize your name and I'm probably more likely to open that email. And it's, I've even pitched people with snail mail because, you know, I remember like back in the day, remember it was so exciting to get an email. And now it's like when you open up your inbox and you have a bunch, it's like the most overwhelming thing. And now we get excited to have empty email inboxes. So I feel like now with with snail mail, it's almost more exciting to get things that way. You pay more attention to that. And, you know, the same goes with somebody tweeting you or commenting on your Facebook page, you're more likely to see that than you are an email just because there is so much happening in there. Yeah, I don't think anyone would describe checking their emails as exciting anymore. I think we've gone <laughs> way past that. So so you're saying, don't be afraid to use different methods to, to the ones that everybody else is using. And also, by building up that kind of familiarity, you've got a shot of being read. And also by having a compelling subject line, you've got a shot of being read. So talking specifically about this this subject line or the angle that you're going in with the pitch, then how do companies identify what sort of angle you would find interesting or, or the outlet would find interesting? 
Well, there's a couple things. I'll say one, you definitely have to make it newsworthy. So like you said earlier, a lot of people just reach out to these online publications and they're like, feature my brand, talk about me. This is why my business is so awesome. Well, they're going to tell you to buy an advertisement because that's not newsworthy. So if you can find a newsworthy angle to tell your story, then that's going to help you. So for example, I had a client who created a baby product and he wanted to be an entrepreneur. Well, entrepreneur does not cover baby products, but I could tell his entrepreneur story. He And it was pretty cool. It was kind of different because he was a stay-at-home dad, which you don't hear of those a lot. And he created a baby product based on a problem that he was having with his son while he was feeding him. So... That was a cool pitch because it was a little different and it wasn't overly promoting his product. Yes, it was mentioned, but it wasn't all about his product. It was about his entrepreneurial story. So that's one way to do it is to make sure it's newsworthy and you get that that newsworthy point across pretty quickly. And the second point I want to make is timeliness. You want the journalist or the editor or the booker or the producer to have a reason to cover your story now. Because if not, they're just going to move it to another folder or leave it somewhere and say, we'll get back to this later. And then they won't because they'll forget. So I believe with that story, I made it timely by pitching it right before Father's Day. So it was it was timely in that angle because it was about a father entrepreneur creating a product to help a problem he was having as a father. So there were there were so many things going on. You had the newsworthiness and then you had the timeliness because of Father's Day being around the time that article was published online. So I think if you if you remember those two things, then you will probably be in good shape. And in, in reference to the subject line, you want to make sure that those two things come across or else it will not be open. Great advice. Fantastic advice. So where do press releases feature here? Are they useful? Are they just a complete waste of time? What's your take on them? I don't like them. (laughs) I think I'm one of the only publicists who tell my clients, no, you don't need a press release. And, you know, for, for the reasons I've stated, if you want to earn media coverage and you're just sending a press release, People are not going to read it because it looks, every press release I've ever seen looks long and boring and overly promotional. You don't pitch a story with a press release. I think, you know, a lot of times when I do use press releases, it's to add to the fact. So say I'll pitch a story and I'll pitch a story with four sentences and somebody will ask for more information. That's when you can send a press release that has that more information. A lot of people use press release distribution services. Again, I don't think these result in earned media coverage. A lot of online platforms will copy and paste them and put them on their website. That's great. If you like the website, you can take the logo and use it on your marketing materials and say you were featured here. But the truth of the matter is not very many people are going on that website and reading a press release that was copied and pasted there. And, you know, they can also help with your SEO. So, you know, you get those link backs if you include the link on in your press release. That'll help with your SEO. But I think if you want to earn media coverage, you just got to be short, sweet and to the point and say, hey, 
I think your readers or your viewers say it's an online vlog, your readers or viewers would really appreciate this information. I'd love to share it with you and then hand them everything they need on a silver platter. Because like I said, we're busy. We got a lot of stuff to do. So something that I do, for example, I'll use the segment that I host once a month. I write the script for the anchors for them. So before a day before I go in there, I say, here's the script. They can just plug it into the teleprompter and they're ready to go. They don't have to do anything. When you are pitching a brand, your brand to the media, say, I don't know, say you're a computer developer, you, you, you create websites or something and you want to talk about, you know, the latest and greatest thing that you're doing and how it's going to change online business. Well, that's great. That's very informative. You're educating people. Maybe it's a new thing in the tech world. So you're newsworthy. But I think you're going to get a lot further with that pitch. You say, and here's a person it's helping. I had this client and he just started using it and look at how it changed his business. Here he is. He'll tell you all about it. That's when somebody comes in with the emotional aspect of the story. Like you're the expert, you know, you're the business owner. You're talking about what's happening. But when you bring in somebody to tell the emotional story, that's when people are going to be engaged and they're going to be entertained and they're really going to watch. You know, that's why we see Budweiser doing so well with their Super Bowl commercials because they have the dogs and the horses and that makes people feel emotional. You know, you have to bring that emotional aspect. So hand everything to the media on a silver platter. Give them that real person. Give them pictures. Give them video. And when you pitch them, say, hey, I know you're going to need all of this. I have all of it for you ready to go. So do as much as you can to help yourself earn that media coverage. Don't expect them to do everything. You want to make it as easy for them as possible. And then after the fact, I see a lot of people earn media coverage and then they do nothing. You have to share it. A lot of people, you know, say I, I get them on, on the segment that I do once a month or I feature them in a magazine. Many of them will not share it or they'll share it once and that's it. I like to schedule all of my social media and I will share it as much as I can with tags, because when people see that you're sharing their content, they're going to want to come back to you because they say, hey, this person is helping me earn more exposure for what I do. So I'm going to help them in return. And I'm kind of going on a tangent because you asked me about press releases. But I think, you know, to get to all of those points that I'm making, a press release probably won't get you there just because people don't have the time or energy to read all of it. Unless it's a press release that is very different than the standard and what you're thinking of, you know, like some people now they do video press releases, which if you make it more of a pitch, it depends on what's in it. But, you know, it, you just got to be newsworthy. And the press releases, I think, you know, you just look at the format and it just looks boring and long. And a lot of the times the headline is like, this business makes an announcement. Well, what is the announcement? Why should I care? That's why I prefer pitches because you just get to the meat of the story right away and you don't waste your time reading through, you know, half a press release. But video press releases may work better for media coverage, obviously not SEO, but for media coverage, just because, you know, people will watch video more than they'll read something. And in a video, you know, you're more conversational. 
And I feel like you can you can drive the point home more a little bit than you can with words in a press release. So if you are going to go the press release route for media coverage, I would say don't do it the traditional way. Try to switch it up a little bit to make it more exciting so people actually care about, you know, what you have to say. Yeah, I com- completely agree. And from an SEO perspective, actually, the the benefit of press releases is dubious at best anyway, because it's all it's all duplicate content. The sites that publish them tend to be low quality, very low click through rate from those links. And like you say, it's not like journalists and and uh, and media people are just scouring the the PR newswire, just looking for small business press releases to feature. Right? That's just not how it goes down. Yeah, it feels like there's a perception that I've got this piece of of news. Let's say we've just launched our new product or we've just got a new MD or something. So therefore, if I put it in a press release format, I've somehow unlocked the world of journalism and all of a sudden everyone's going to want to feature me because I've got the three hashtags at the end or something. But yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, no, I told and, and the earned media, it just means so much more. And d- press release distribution is not earned media. So, you know, there's a big difference. I had somebody reach out to me and ask me, you know, oh, I don't know how my my PR company's doing. This is what they're doing for me. And they were, they were saying, oh, yeah, they're getting us about 10 media hits a month. And I'm like, 10 a month is really good. Like if they're earning you 10 features online in a month, that's amazing. They're probably doing a good job. Why are you unhappy? And they're like, well, it's not resulting in anything. Like we don't see an increase in in, you know, our website traffic or phone calls or social media. And then I was saying, well, where are these hits coming from? Like, where are you being placed? You know, and after asking more questions, uh, come to find out that it was just, they were just using press release distribution and just, you know, blasting the press release everywhere. And I was like, no, 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 that's not earned media. That's not editorial. You know, anybody (laughs) can do that. You can have the worst product or business in America and pay somebody to blast it everywhere and they will. That's not earned media. And and they were kind of, I mean, I, I'd say they're kind of getting taken advantage of and not understanding how the industry works. So, I mean, I've never done press release distribution for a client unless they specifically ask. And as a journalist, I've never looked through the wires to find a story, honestly, like you said. Amazing. So with, um, I, I want to ask you about publication selection. When we're, when we're looking for, you know, digital PR links for the sake of SEO, we're looking for websites that have highest authority and like a targeted audience. How, how do you decide which publications to target when you're doing more traditional PR for people? I think it all comes down to what your goal is. You know, people say, oh, I just want media. I just want to be featured everywhere. Well, why? Do you want to grow your email list? I'm sure a lot of your listeners, that's what they want to do. They want to grow their email list. Or do you want people to walk in your store? Are you a local business with one store and you want people to walk in there? So based on your goal, you will determine who your audience is and where they are. And that's where you want to pitch. You want to pitch what they're reading, what they're listening to, or what they're watching. So if you you know, run an online business, Local TV is cool and it may help you a little bit, but in the long run, you would probably do better in Forbes or Entrepreneur. You would probably get more bang for your buck there. But, you know, local TV, it also it also builds your credibility. So I, I guess I have two answers to this, this question. One is figure out what your goal is. And based on that, you go to where your audience is to help you achieve that goal. But two, any media exposure will increase your credibility 
and your brand awareness. Because, you know, if you are an online business owner and you work with people around the world, there's still maybe on a, online business owners or online business, you know, clients or customers in the city you live in. So local media exposure may help you in your newspaper or on TV. And again, you can take those logos and put it on your marketing material to make you more credible. For example, if you're looking at two different websites and one person has all of this media coverage and the other person doesn't, then you're probably going to go with the person who has more media coverage because they look like a bigger force in their industry. So that does set you apart. But I would say always go back to your goal and where your audience is. Okay, so let's talk about goals in in a bit more detail. For many people, their their goal will be more sales, right? I want more money out than I'm I'm putting in. And you must get businesses ask about return on investment all the time. So I guess it can be quite tricky to track ROI from traditional PR. So how do you kind of approach this this ROI question specifically? Yeah, I hate that question. <laughs> Just because <laughs> Just because I can't answer it because I'm not a fortune teller and people put marketing and sales together. And yes, they do go together because marketing helps you bring sales. And, you know, the more sales you get, the more marketing you can do. However, marketing is not sales. They are two different things. So it is my job to market you. You are in charge of the sales. Like I can bring the horse to water, but I can't make the horse drink the water. So for example, I got a client featured on the Rachel Ray show a few years ago. And after he was featured on the Rachel Ray show, he called me and he's like, yeah, that's great. We're on Rachel Ray, but we did, it didn't turn into as many sales as I was hoping. And, you know, I said, well, you know what? I got you on Rachel Ray. That is amazing because if you would have paid for that, you would have paid so much money to get that nationwide exposure. Now you can put that clip on your website, share it on social media, put the Rachel Ray logo on everything. And that's great for your marketing. But at the end of the day, it is not my job to sell your product. It's my job to market it. And I marketed it. So I, I tell, and I, I try to explain it that way to people. I can't give you an ROI because I do not know how people are going to react to what I do. It's the same thing with, you know, say you you create a Facebook ad. You hire me to create a Facebook ad for you and you say, well, what's my ROI? Like, I don't know. I don't know how many of these people are going to buy it. I can tell you that using video is the best way to do it. We're going to use a pixel and we're going to retarget people. So people who are interested are constantly seeing your ad. We're going to spend this much money to reach more people. But at the end of the day, you need to talk to who's working on your website and who's building your funnels and who's doing this and that to close the deal and make the sale. It's my job to get them there. And then you have to pick up the ball and do the rest. Yeah. So clear goals on your website. I suppose this goes back to having a goal as well with the with the PR. If you're talking about something specific and you're offering people something and you can you can help people and you can drive them back to your website or you have a reason to drive them back to your website that's going to do much better than if you're just, you know, you're offering an opinion on something which really has very little to do with your business. So I suppose this this comes back to campaign planning and and what you're hoping to get out of the thing in the first place, really. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there's there's a lot more to it than than just marketing. So, you know, and people will say, oh, yeah, what you did was great. Like you did your job. You did everything we paid you to do, but it didn't result in this. 
And I think that's when you need to look at, you know, more of, of the sales part and saying, well, we got everybody through the door, but they didn't buy anything when they were in the door. So why didn't that happen? What was the disconnect there? And then, you know, there's also using that media. So if you if you're on, you know, Rachel Ray, for example, and nothing happens afterwards, then you need to utilize that media hit to get more attention and to target people who watch Rachel Ray, maybe turn that into a Facebook ad and target people who watch Rachel Ray because they'll be interested in that. So it's it's a mixture of, you know, making sure sales is in the loop with marketing and and the the goals are aligned and also using what marketing is doing, you know, after you have those success stories to to drive more sales by leveraging that exposure. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So you've got to figure out a way to use that that visibility as an asset moving forward, haven't you? And the reality is you should be able to get an ROI just on that, just from what it does to your conversion rates from the credibility and authority that it instantly gives you by being featured in these places. So it's uh, you might not get ROI necessarily. You might not notice immediately as soon as you're on the show that you suddenly you're a millionaire, but that's now a piece of authority and a piece of credibility that you can use for for years or for the rest of the business. So um, I, I want to switch gears if if uh, if possible to talk about people doing their own doing their own PR. We, we work with quite a lot of companies that have a marketing person or a small marketing team which doesn't have any direct experience with with PR. Quite often they'll say things like, oh, we've, you know, we, we've tried to do a bit of PR or, or we're doing PR ourselves at the moment, not really working. Do you have any advice on when people should be doing it themselves versus when they should be looking at getting some outside help, either hiring an agency or outsourcing? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. And it's frustrating because I've seen a lot of people who are taken advantage of when they do hire PR companies because a lot of people, they're not informed on how the industry works and they're just taking salesperson's word for it. You know, they'll say, oh, well, it works like this and this is what we're going to do. And, you know, the person who's paying paying the bill says, OK, that sounds good. I would say you definitely want to be informed if you hire somebody. You want to talk to a few different people, not just the person making the sale. You want to know who is working your account and what they're going to be doing and what they are doing every step of the way. That's really important because, you know, you can pitch the media for for weeks at a time and never hear anything and never get anywhere. But you want to be sure you're informing your client what's happening every step of the way, because I've seen at a lot of firms, people will pay a publicist to do something and they'll do nothing and then just say, oh, well, people don't like the story. Sorry. So you want to make sure if you hire somebody, you are definitely in the loop and you know what's going on. You want to stay on your publicist. That's one thing. But another thing is, is you don't really need a publicist. And I know a lot of people, especially the the some small business owner and the solopreneur and, and, you know, startup, they don't have the funds. And a lot of these these services, they cost, you know, two thousand, three thousand, you know, they go up to like ten thousand dollars a month, depending on who you're hiring and what you're getting. So if you don't have the funds, it is possible to do this on your own. And I found that a lot of people through my business development when I started, they wanted PR, but they couldn't afford it. And I said, you know what? You just need to know what to do. It doesn't matter how much money you have. That's the good thing. To earn exposure, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You just have to have a good story. You have to know how to find it and you have to know how to pitch it. And a lot of people prefer to be pitched 
by the business owner instead of a public relations firm, because it just means so much more. And honestly, when I was in news, publicists really annoyed me. I make it a point to not annoy journalists like publicists annoyed me. They're very pushy. They're very needy. They try to control the story. They tell you how to write it and what to say and how to say it. And it's it's a lot and it's a pain. It's a lot better to just deal straight with the business owner to help tell the story. So I, I'm a big advocate for people doing their own PR if they have the time or just bringing it in-house and teaching somebody what to do because somebody who's in-house, they know the ins and outs of your business. They're a little bit more invested than a PR company that you hire. Um, so I think if, if you are gonna do it yourself, you know, you could do it yourself. You could bring somebody in or hire an independent contractor. That's how I work. I work as an independent contractor. I'm not going to build a firm with employees. I don't want that. And I see a lot of these bigger firms, all of the clients they bring in, they're just a number. They don't care about the business. They just need the check to clear so they can pay their employees and keep the lights on in their building. So I'm, I, I really think if you want PR and you don't trust to outsource it or you can't afford to outsource it, you need to learn what to do to do it yourself. And that was the whole basis on why I started moving my client business online because I saw there was such a need for solopreneurs and even bloggers to earn media exposure. And I thought, okay, well, let me just move some of this online. Let me create some eBooks, some online courses to teach people what to do to earn that exposure because it is so vital to grow your business. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people making when they're doing their own PR? I think they're being too promotional. I would say that's mistake number one is they're being way too promotional. Like everybody thinks their brand and their business and their blog and whatever they're doing is the best thing since sliced bread. And obviously you think that it's your business. Like we all think our kids are the cutest kids ever. Well, maybe they are, but obviously you're going to think that you're their parent, you know? (laughs) So you can't you can't pitch the media with like, look at me, look at me. This is so amazing. It's why you should cover it. Remember, you have to put yourselves in their shoes. So I would say the biggest mistake is people are just too promotional. And a lot of people, they expect so much from the media. Like this, the newspapers and the blogs and the TV stations, they don't owe you anything. You know, they've got a thousand people at their doorstep wanting earned coverage. So so they don't owe you anything. You need to figure out a way to help them. Stop promoting yourself and help them tell the stories that they need to tell. So I'd say number one, it's just being too promotional. And then when you do pitch, the pitches are just too long. They're too long and they're not newsworthy. Such good advice. Such good advice. So I guess it's just like marketing, isn't it? Put yourselves in the position of the person who you're selling to. And in this case, you're selling to the person in the media, what are their goals, help them get towards their goals, do as much of their job as you possibly can and give them stuff which they actually want, right? Yes, yes. And don't burn bridges because let me tell you, the media world is small. We all know each other and we all talk. I just had an incident with somebody who wanted coverage on on the TV segment I do. It didn't make TV, but it made the website. And this person was so mad that she didn't make TV. And I explained to her, well, you didn't make TV for this reason, this reason, and this reason, but you are on the website that brings in almost 2 million visitors a month. And she was still mad, complaining about it. So I just said, okay, well, I will be sure to never work with you again. And if it ever comes up in conversation with my other media friends, you know, this story will be heard. 
So you you definitely want to make sure to to not burn bridges because it is, you know, like any industry, it is a small world and we all know each other. So, you know, don't overly promote, be super helpful, keep everything short, sweet and to the point because we're busy and maintain those good relationships. Christina, this has been really, really fascinating insight into uh, into a world of traditional PR, which I don't think many of us get to get to see into. So thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find out more about you and, and follow you? Thank you, Tim. Well, I want to give all of your ninjas something to leave with. I've, I've talked a lot of, a lot about how you can earn exposure for yourself, but I want to give my ebook away for free. So if you go to mediamavenandmore.com slash exposure, you can get my ebook for free and, and, you know, get some more of these, these strategies. And here's some more case studies on how it's worked for some people and some different tips and tricks. So again, that's at mediamavenandmore.com slash exposure. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Christina all day. And yeah, please reach out. I'm, I'm happy to help and, and hear, from, hear from your listeners, Tim. Fab, we'll include a link to that, uh, to that free ebook, which sounds awesome in the show notes as well. Christina, thank you so much for joining us and thank you everyone for tuning in. 